Chapter 4 of On Union with God by Blessed Albert the Great Translated by a Benedictine of Princethorpe Priory This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 That our labour must be with the understanding and not with the senses. Blessed is he who by continually cleansing his soul from the images and phantoms of earth draws its powers inward, and thence lifts them up to God. At length he in a manner forgets all images, and by a simple and direct act of pure intellect and will, contemplates God, who is absolutely simple. Cast from thee, therefore, all phantoms, images, and forms, and whatsoever is not God, that all thy intercourse with him may proceed from an understanding, affection, and will, alike purified. This is, in truth, the end of all thy labours, that thou mayest draw nigh unto God, and repose in him within thy soul, solely by thy understanding, and by a fervent love, free from entanglement or earthly image. Not by his bodily organs or outward senses does a man attain to this, but by the intelligence and will which constitute him man. So long as he lingers, trifling with the objects of the imagination and senses, he has not yet passed beyond the limits and instincts of his animal nature, which he possesses in common with the brute beasts. They know and feel, through images and by their senses, nor can it be otherwise, for they have no higher powers. Not so is it with man, who, by his intelligence, affections, and will, is created in the image and likeness of God. Hence it is by these powers that he ought, without intermediary, purely and directly to commune with God, be united to him, and cleave to him. The devil does his very utmost to hinder us from this exercise, for he beholds in it a beginning and a foretaste of eternal life, and he is envious of man. Therefore he strives, now by one temptation or passion, now by another, to turn away our thoughts from God. At one time he assails us by arousing in us unnecessary anxiety, foolish cares or troubles, or by drawing us to irregular conversations and vain curiosity. At another he ensnares us by subtle books, by the words of others, by rumours and novelties. Then again he has recourse to trials, contradictions, etc. Although these things may sometimes seem but very trifling faults, if faults at all, yet do they greatly hinder our progress in this holy exercise. Therefore, whether great or small, they must be resisted and driven from us as evil and harmful, though they may seem useful and even necessary. It is of great importance that what we have heard or seen or done or said should not leave their traces or fill our imagination. Neither before nor after nor at the time should we foster these memories, or allow their images to be formed. For when the mind is free from these thoughts, we are not hindered in our prayer, in meditation, or the psalmody, or in any other of our spiritual exercises. 
nor do these distractions return to trouble us. Then shouldst thou readily and trustfully commit thyself and all that concerns thee to the unfailing and most sure providence of God, in silence and peace. He himself will fight for thee, and will grant thee a liberty and consolation better, nobler, and sweeter than would be possible if thou gavest thyself up day and night to thy fancies, to vain and wandering thoughts, which hold captive the mind, as they toss it hither and thither, wearying soul and body, and wasting uselessly alike thy time and strength. Accept all things, whatsoever their cause, silently and with a tranquil mind, as coming to thee from the fatherly hand of divine providence. Free thyself, therefore, from all the impressions of earthly things, in so far as thy state and profession require, so that with a purified mind and sincere affection thou mayest cleave to him to whom thou hast so often and so entirely vowed thyself. Let nothing remain which could come between thy soul and God, that so thou mayest be able to pass surely and directly from the wounds of the sacred humanity to the brightness of the divinity. End of chapter 4